0: Welcome to 54 Live. I am your host, Digsies, and once again, joined by my main man, Jake. Jake, what's up, buddy? Life is good in the hood. This is your boy, Jake, coming from Georgia this week. Oh, we got, he's away from Oklahoma in Georgia, and we got a special guest on the podcast, Big Boy Pants Golf. Big Boy, what's up, buddy? Gentlemen,
1: I'm here to do nothing but regulate.
0: Regulate, regulators, mount up mount up all right we we had to bring out the big guns for the u.s open preview uh we got a nice little three-way going now uh let's get right to it u.s open starting tomorrow but before we get to that there's a few tidbits we want to touch on um adam hadwin oh he got bodied
2: man that was insane what happened on sunday right jake It was. I mean, you're getting ready to do a a real celebration. You know, this is the first time a Canadian player has won this event in 69 years. You actually have a champion of your own National Open. And guess what? You want to go have a live style celebration? Uh Uh-uh. Not in this house, boy. We're Terry Tate in that ass. It was insane, right, big boy? Like, what, what was your initial thoughts when you saw that? that is complete
1: assault and battery I don't know what's going on with the laws of Canada but what's crazy to me is how they bring Adam Hadwin out on PGA Tour clips now where he's like talking about how humorous it is this dude is traumatized and right now they're going to use that against him when he tries to file legal charges as he should
0: they said that once he got tackled and as the guy was helping him up, Hadwin apologized to the the security guy like oh sorry that was according to
2: his wife yeah it's the Canadians they say sorry for everything now, Which Jake, is just absolutely strange to me, man. Like, wh- what are you doing with that? Like, right. why are you apologizing? This dude made you the joke of an event where you're celebrating your friend. And obviously, if you're around the green,
0: you have a press pass, you know, you have something, you know, he's, he's a member of the PGA Tour. Like, I just don't understand what the guy thought. Like, wh- what do you think? Someone's just walking around with a bottle of Moet the whole tournament, waiting for the winner to be crowned, right?
1: Well, well fun fact about Canadians in general, if you date their wives... They make you breakfast in the morning.
2: (laughs) So kind of them, isn't it? Some Canadian bacon? Ooh. (laughs) Get a little breakfast in the head? (laughs) Now, Jake, you
0: put something out on Twitter about a team Canada for live. You said, which six guys? We got Hadwin, Connors, Pendrith, um, Mackenzie Hughes.
2: Who am I messing Svensson, and then, and then, of course, uh, yeah. So I mean, Taylor, you got Nick Taylor, Nick Taylor, yeah, the, the winner, yeah, the, the winner of the tournament. I mean, you got six Canadians right now. I can't remember the last time we had actually six Canadians at a similar age. These guys are all twenty-seven to thirty-five, who are super, super talented. That all, except for Taylor Pendrith, have won on the PGA Tour. This is a great opportunity. If I'm Canada, if I'm looking at at this, I'm seeing how I'm treated on on the PGA Tour situation. Dude, I'm talking to the the live guys right away. Hey, do we need a team Canada?
0: I think it would be great. And I think there should be, you know, an Asian team too with uh, Hideki Matsuyama, especially considering he turned down, what was it, $300 million? Like he, other than Tiger, he was offered the most amount of money. So I think there's a lot, especially with this new deal, there's a lot of options. There's going to be some expansion teams and... I think they should do full teams with, with the, you know, nation behind them because I think that will make it exciting. Big boy, what, what, what's your thoughts?
1: Well, my thought is that Canada actually has this development program in place because they have this goal to get a certain X amount of players onto the PGA Tour. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So they do have this program in place, and they have this desire and intention, and it's showing up now. But you got to wonder now how this. Does this look with the PGA Tour betraying its members? According to the feelings that John Rahm brought up in the U.S. Open presser, they feel betrayed. There's no longer can you hold the PGA Tour towards the word, and in my opinion, you never could. But now, what is the PGA of PGA Canada to do? Where they're like, should we try to get these guys on the Live Golf Tour, just as you guys are saying? You guys are growing the talent. Why waste them on the PGA Tour? Get them on to Live, baby.
2: Yeah. Well, especially with Phil Phil Mickelson's actually creating a course in Canada right now. So, what better way to start off the bat and get kind of a home field course, a home field live event going? Because I mean, let's be real: if Phil Mickelson's designing the course and building the course, it's most likely going to be a function for a live event going forward. So, yes, if I'm if I'm live, if I'm Canada, if I'm those six guys from Canada, I'm having a conversation because all you need is four of those six, and you have a great live golf team and a great live golf team for a decade. Yeah. And then one, the fifth guy could be the alternate, like we spoke
0: about uh, two episodes ago with everybody dropping out and the injuries. Each team should have a fifth alternate. But like Big Boy said with John Rahm, you know, that brings us to our next point. You know, there's rumors that he's going to live at his presser yesterday or today. I forget which one it was. I believe it was earlier in the week. He said that he's thankful that the PGA Tour gave him his start in golf. What does that mean?
2: Well, we that. can see this going right now, where he's 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 basically saying his kumbaya's in a peaceful way. John Rahm's always been very candid and very very, but, but at the same time, very shrill about what he says. He says the right thing at the right time. His uh, announcements last year at Valderrama were correct. Whenever he won the Spanish Open, when he was talking about, hey, I want to congratulate Eugenio Kachikara. This is in his victory speech. Not only that, have you guys noticed who he's playing with this week in the, in the practice rounds? Yeah. Phil and. Um we're not not steel phil and who else he was playing with sergio on, on day one yep, he's playing with with like brooks and a couple of guys on day two and then he's playing with all the asu guys on day three which are david Pooj and phil Nicholson. and next week the live event is in uh no it's uh two, i think two weeks from now uh, isn't it next week pants what, are you, pants what are you thinking is he gonna make it a, make a sweat a for valderrama a it starts june 30th
1: so i do my research uh, okay yeah. And then B, in terms of John Rahm in general, yeah, he's said all the right things the whole time. It only makes sense to go right now because who are the good guys right now? Who are the guys that didn't exploit the 9-11 families? Who are the guys that didn't tell people not to go and whose narratives turned out to actually be correct? The live guys yeah. are the good guys now. You want to be jumping ship now and say, you have every reason in the world to jump, right? You can just say, look at these lies that were being fed. Look at these guys. I don't trust these guys. I'm going to where I feel where the word holds true
2: and you well, know especially today that the pga tour looks weaker today than they ever have i mean this morning we saw the news that you know what we were talking about was going to happen is already happening jay monahan is out he is taking a medical leave but that man's looked healthier than any any 50 year old man i've ever seen in my life so well, he's not said he had sick.
0: a medical incident who knows maybe with all the stress and everything maybe he had a heart attack you know
1: you never know
2: that dude looks way too healthy to have a heart attack what do you think pants
1: what his medical situation is, he's got a paper bag and he's breathing into and out of it under his desk right now. That's his medical condition. He can't breathe because literally everyone's firing at him. He has no way to spin it. Anything he tries to do, he tries to spin. He's, he's trapped under his desk right now. They got an IV in him. They got an air mask on him. He doesn't know what to do. It's not any medical condition you'd find in a typical medical book other than I got called out for lying and I'm a trapped
2: weasel. Yeah, and that's I, actually his autobiography coming I mean, out next month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I said when this ball went down last Wednesday, I said the tour championship was like something like eighty-two days away. Will Jay Monahan be commissioner over under ninety days? And I thought it would be like the, the few days after the tour championship, but man, they didn't waste any time. It's like less than a week, a week total that he's out. There's an acting commissioner now, but I, I don't think it'll be too long before they make that official.
2: I mean, pretty much they just. It, I don't like Jimmy Dunn, but it looks like as more of the news is coming out, Jimmy Dunn is more of a playmaker than we actually thought initially. Yeah, he's running so the show behind the scenes. He's running the show behind the scenes, at least for now. He may not be the commissioner or may not be the acting commissioner, but it seems like he has a bit more pull and shoestrings than we initially thought. Um, and it does seem like he actually was trying to find a resolution that Jay Monaghan wasn't actively seeking. So, it could be a situation where the tour is like, dude, you, have, you are no longer involved in this. You already screwed this up way too much to Monaghan.
0: Yep. And last thing before we hit the US Open preview Rory. He feels used. He's upset. He says he hates Liv. You know, he doesn't want Liv to be around. He hates Liv. He feels used. Does he have a leg to stand on? I think he does. I, I think, you know, they, they let him be the post of the boy. They let him take all the punches and the shots. And it's kind of like they just abandoned him now. You know, they abandoned him.
2: You know, I, I don't like what he always said this whole entire time, but I understand where it was coming from. If you look at it from the idea of he fought his ass off to get where he was, right? To be the, the, the top dog on the tour, to be the, the, the mouthpiece for the tour. And all of a sudden, a subversive effort is coming in to change the narrative away from his legacy, away from where he's been playing at. So I get why he was so defensive and why he still is so defensive. But you're right. The tour let him down. And I don't know where he goes, what he thinks, or anything going forward. He seems seems like like a forsaken prophet right now. That's what I feel like he is. Yeah, big boy, what's your take? Or, as
1: in his own words, he feels like a sacrificial lamb. This dude is throwing his own pity party. I 100% disagree with you, too, because this dude brought it upon himself. He didn't have to say anything. He could have always maintained a very neutral position. He could have been more of a John Rum type. These guys pushed him onto the stage, and after the first few or two... You know, press conferences or whatever, he could have stopped because he could have realized he's flip-flopping, but he kept flip-flopping back and forth over and over again, and it's been a full year. If your buddy keeps complaining about some issue for over a year, and you've been hearing about the same thing every other week, at some point, you you have to think, well, why don't you cut your losses at week four?
2: Yeah. That's a good point, because not only that, when this whole thing started, he actually hit really good golf form and then the more and more that he became the mouthpiece the, the worse his golf actually became and more out of what everything off the course has been happening he hasn't looked right i mean he i thought he was going to look right at the rbc right because he was in contention he'd been a two-time winner and then he just fell apart on sunday just completely fell apart on sunday so i, I don't know man i if, if we're looking at this week at the u.s open he has no chance in my opinion
0: I I thought he had two points. One, I think, I I thought he had no chance going into this. I'm the big, I bet on Rory literally. uh, The PGA Championship was the first major in like nine majors that I didn't place a significant wager on Rory. And I'm not doing it this week. But I saw Michael Kim say something that a lot of the holes are for a, a draw. I love that guy. Are for a draw. And he put Rory in quotation marks. So that got me thinking. But still, with everything going on, I don't think he... He will win this week. Um, the second point, what Big Boy was saying about stop complaining, be more neutral, look at the guys right now that are the darlings in this whole situation. Dustin Johnson, he was neutral. Brooks Kepka, he was neutral. You know, John Rahm, he was neutral. The guys that didn't pick a side, didn't really go after people, you know, like they said now, like with the players coming back to the PGA Tour, they're going to have to pay a penalty, quote unquote. Dustin Johnson is someone that they said probably won't have to do anything because he didn't talk negatively about the PGA Tour. You could have handled a different situation, like Big Boy said. I'm a big Rory fan. You know, he could have, the first few months, staked his claim and then, you know, took a back seat. But it is what it is, and, you know, he, he was the sacrificial lamb for the PGA Tour, I feel like.
2: Yeah, and he was also, as you guys were saying, he's the guy who was negative the hardest, the longest. Yep. And, I, and I, I do think part of it was because he got looped into the extra lawsuits that, P- that Patrick Reed was doing. So I, I do understand why he was staying negative longer, because he, he got personally pulled into it by individual players on the other side of the fence that were slinging mud. Yeah. So, you know, I get it, but you're right. He should have given up a long time ago should have realized, hey, this is messing with my golf game, which is my actual profession. My profession is not a politician. My profession is a golfer. Yep. Well he continued being tone deaf, is my
1: point, because even after the whole it's game set match, Liv is basically winning, he's still going on the press conference saying he hates Liv. Yeah. It's like, hey bro, at some point you gotta let it go. You're like the 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 jealous girlfriend, you're key in the car.
0: Yep, mm. I think I so, think we'll see a different narrative from him moving forward. He he, said his, his, he gave his two cents. He said his piece, and I just hope a lot of this talk goes away and we just get to golf, man. We want to see the best players in the world play against each other. Let the courts figure it out. Let the you know commissioners let you see or figure it out behind the scenes. And once we get a concrete plan, we get the concrete plan and we move forward.
2: But yeah, I don't see Rory winning any any more tournaments until he gets past that. That's his biggest focus right now. It should be to, to get past the booty hurt that he's going through right now so that way he can be able to focus on golf. Because you're right. Right now, it's not about golf for him. It's about continuing to be vitriolic, and that's costing him shots. That's costing him tournaments right now.
0: Yeah, but I will say this. that I did see a picture of the Open Championship. I believe it's in Port Rush this year. Is that right? On a Hoylake, Lake, yeah, it's okay. in Hoylake. I saw pictures of the uh, final hole, the 18th hole, with the putting up the grandstands, and it has that yellow hue to it. It's burned out, it's baked out, and Rory has. In the past, has said before that he loves that type of golf. That's a true links test. So, I, last thing I'll say about this: don't count Rory out at the Open Championship.
2: You can't count them out there because it, uh, that's home okay. territory, almost in a way. Yes. So, but. I'm still not convinced that he's going to have any wins going forward until he can get past his vitriolic remarks and really, truly bury it in his spirit. Like you know, you can tell certain guys have softened up. You know, you're not hearing Billy Horschel be as 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 openly, you know, asinine as he was nine months ago. Mm-hmm. You're not hearing it from Fitzpatrick. You're not hearing it from many of these players. You're, you're hearing them calm down and realize, hey, th- we're not on the right side of the fence anymore. Um. We trot we thought we were fighting for the moral high ground company and we're not. And we're seeing them calm down. But until Rory does that, Pants, I don't think this is going to end out well for anybody in Rory's camp. Well, gentlemen, think about this. Take it a step further. We
1: got the US open now, June sixth, the both both the Live Golf and PGA Tour merge. Now you've got the Live side empowered. Because they feel that they're in the right. They're not going to get any more grief, right? Yep. And now all the focus is on the PGA Tour side. So I think all these guys who are feeling betrayed right now, all the PGA Tour side now has the, the bitterness and all these emotions to work
2: through. Why are trying to play the U.S. Open? How do you think that plays out? Yeah, which is one of the toughest test every year. Yeah, and I've been saying this. like Ever since the news came out on the 6th about this merger, and after we saw how people were talking about you know, going into the RBC and how the players' meeting was going crazy and how nobody was feeling good. I don't see a PGA player winning this event. Like, there is not going to be a PGA tour player winning this event. They're just—they're not in the right headspace right now.
0: I—I um, I, I disagree. A few of my picks are PGA tour players, but it's people that have flirted with Live, so they weren't so pro PGA tour. But we'll get to that at the end. All right, the U.S. Open heads to Los Angeles Country Club, a place that we have really never seen before anybody of our generation because the last time they've been there for an L.A. Open was in the 50s. It's the fourth iteration of the course right in the center of L.A. off Wilshire Boulevard, right around the corner from Beverly Hills. The Playboy Mansion is right on the 14th or 15th hole. And I did a deep dive. It's a, it's a really interesting country club. You know, they kept Hollywood out. They wanted it to be a low-key country club, no famous members. They didn't even want the USGA there. They had a woman amateur in 1930, a US junior amateur in 1954, but then the members completely ousted the USGA. Um, Until 2010, Gil Hance, Jeff Shackelford, they restored the course to the George Thomas 1921 design, and they decided it was time to show off. And they let the USGA back in with the 2017 Walker Cup, which in turn got them the 2023 US Open. So Los Angeles Country Club was one of the USGA's big prize gets. They wanted to go there forever. They finally get it. And it's just like, imagine being a member at this club and not wanting the u.s open like i don't get that
2: i can actually understand that because you know sometimes the best part about being in a certain country club is the hidden clout or the fact that you can go there or be a member there and people don't just ask you constantly about it right like if you remember at augusta national think about how much of your life is not about you anymore it's about augusta national yeah i don't know maybe that's just me what do you think pants big boy I'm all about exclusivity. I'm about
1: all about the speakeasies. If you have this little club and especially nowadays with society, you wanna keep yourselves, you know, on the down low a little bit. So I can completely feel what they were what they were about back in the day. And, you know, obviously when, when you keep it on the down low, then you, you create this other interest where more people want to get in, right?
0: Yeah. It's like a forbidden entity. Like, oh, I want to get, get there. I want to see it. And it's not like the big movie stars and actors and directors didn't have other places to play. You got Riviera around the corner, Ballet Country Club around the corner. So there's, there's a bunch of other courses, but I'm very interested to see what we get this week. You know, you're going to get tall, thick, rough, wide fairways. Um, they said that the fairways are 43 yards on average. Um, which is pretty wide but if it's you miss wide, yeah. yeah if you miss the fairway you're going to be penalized with that tall thick rough we all saw videos of it it's going to play firm and fast there's five par threes which is very strange and they range from 80 to 300 yards and we'll get to those in a little bit um, but they'll be changing every day all par threes will be playing like a new hole every day John Bodenheimer, the chief champions officer said he doesn't know where the score will end up, but architect George Thomas will be happy where it ends up. And, you know, obviously I was hoping that we see even par. Um, it sounds tough to me, the course, but what do I know? I don't, I think it will be, you know, higher than even par. I don't think we're going to get like a Marion or a Shinnecock where, you know, one over one it. Um, but what's your guys take?
2: You know, I was looking at Michael Kim's tweets. He actually played today, and he played alongside, I believe, um, John... Uh, no, he didn't play wrong, alongside John Rum. He played the wrong song at Scotty Scheffler today. So, playing with Scotty Scheffler, I, I very much trust his opinions. He says about the over-under for him, in his mind, is like 8.5 uh, under par. So, that's what he's thinking. Uh, yeah, you know, I saw somebody the, else said 10.5 over-under. Yeah, and he, he was saying You want it to stay, in, the, you wanted to stay in the single digits right and and it's u.s open so it's eight and a half is very low for u.s open um but you know he's looking at this and he's saying hey man the fairways are very firm so if you bounce there it's gonna you're gonna have some rollout he's saying that if you miss the fairway though he's saying it's a guarantee almost a guaranteed layup shot yes on every hole yeah so very interesting to note there um The weirdest thing that I – I mean, so I trust his opinion on this one. I think it's going to be probably around a 7 to 10 under par. I would prefer to have a plus – you know, an over par score win. But, you know, may not be that way this time.
0: Yeah. When I was doing a deep dive into this, it's crazy. There was four – there's only four times that the U.S. Open winner was in double digits since World War II, which is insane. I believe it was Tiger Woods. Uh, Gary Woodland, Brooks Kepka at Aaron Hills, and one more. I forget uh, what the other one was. But so, you know, history tells us we're going to see in the single digits.
1: Big boy, what's your thought? I am thinking minus 9, minus 10, because as you just mentioned, Brooks Kepka. I think the guy's going on a little bit of a tear. I think he's going to push that to minus 9, minus 10. I've listened to him. He's very confident right now. When they were asking him about the rough, he said, "I just don't plan to hit in the rough." When you when you say something like that, <laughs> when he's feeling his oats like that, it just takes one dude to push it to -9 minus -10. Minus yeah,
2: and if you well, hit not, the not, ball not straight, only that, but like it's it's yeah, and it's Brooks Kepka. Like you know, if he actually actually hits in the rough, that man is so strong that I don't yeah. think he's going to take a layup the same way that other players would. You know, yeah. him and John Rahm are two players that I think that even U.S. Open rough, as long as it's not like buried, buried, they're still probably hitting the green out of the rough. And we saw him do that at Bethpage for the PGA Championship that he won. That rough is yes. brutal,
0: and he was able to hack it out of that. Um, I'm thinking, uh, I really want it to be lower, but I'm going with seven to eight, six to seven under. So I'm going six to seven under. Jake and Big Boy, you guys are both around what nine ten?
1: Yeah, nine ten. Yeah. At least nine ten. At least. So you think we might get eleven twelve? We may get something that's going to blow people's mind if you got good weather conditions. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I know. Mm. I know that a few of the part threes wind is going to be difficult, but yeah, let's get to these part threes, man. Like last time we saw a hole, you know, short hole like around like. 100 yards was at Marion in 2013 when, you know, Justin Rose won it. But we're looking at number, number 15, 124 yards. It will be the shortest par three in U.S. Open history. It can play anywhere from 80 to 140. And, you know, best believe the USGA is going to pull the Marion. It's going to play down when they said there's a front tee box, a small landing area on the front of the green. They could put the flag there. And, I'm hearing rumors that they're going to make it about 82 yards. So, Homer and Rom said that you're going to have to play 20 yards back left, try to spin it off the slope, or bail out right, putt uphill. Ricky Fowler even said that he's going to lay up. He said he's going to lay up on an 80-yard par three. He's going to miss the green short, putt it or chip it up the hill, because if you hit the green with the low shot, it's one skimp it into the bunker, and it's going to plug. So, I can't wait. I hope they do it on Sunday few guys in the mix, down the stretch, you're going to go for it. You're going to decide to play it safe because after 15, 16, 17, 18 are some of the hardest closing holes in U.S. Open history. All par fours that are extremely long. So, you know, 15 is going to come into big play on Sunday.
2: I think it is. I think this could be a championship maker, kind of like number 12 at Augusta National so often is, you know, or 17 at Sawgrass. These are crucial par threes and it's kind of cool whenever you know whenever a championship has a par three be one of those kingmaker holes where you either win your championship or you just completely lose it Mm -hmm. 2016 jordan spieth um you actually understand what's going on there you 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 i'm very curious to the first three rounds play there how far over par do you think hole 15 is going to be pants like on far as like average scoring So we're talking about the 82 yard hole, correct? Correct. Correct.
1: And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you disregard, let's say the anomalies, let's say the maybe 10, 10 of the worst scores, that thing is playing under par. Really? You think so? Here's why. Here's exactly why. I mean, you, yeah, you can, you can beef up the, the numbers because there's going to couple, have a couple guys who have triples and some weird numbers. But if you look at the top, let's say the top, 50 scores or 60 scores, it'll be under par because I've seen these guys at the Thailand Open playing a short par three that you had, they had to take a little boat over to to get to once they hit on the green. These guys are throwing darts. I think we forget for an 82-yard shot where these guys are prepped up for, it's just they're licking their chops. So, of course, you have a couple of guys who who will chunk one a little bit or thin it and put in some rough spots, and they'll end up with big numbers. But for the most of the guys, I still think birdie hole. I don't
2: know. So what do you think, like average score, like 2.8?
1: Noel, well, I mean, are we gonna, are we going to drop out the, the 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 you know the bottom twenty flukies? Are we talking about this,
2: the average yeah. score after the cut or before the cut? It's, it's, oh, ooh. let's go let's go total. Let's go total for the week. Okay, total for the week. I'll go three point one. Okay, because that includes pre cut. Like sorry, pre cut yeah. scores.
0: Those yeah. include the amateurs and all those guys that you
2: scrubs, know. dude. Just
1: scrubs. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Want, I'm not going to watch that.
2: But yeah, so, so do you, th- Go ahead, Jake. so do you, so do you think that this, this hole is going to be the one that is, is, do you think it's going to be the kingmaker that I'm thinking it's going to be, or do you think going to be like a, a breeze over hole that people are getting too hyped up about? I honestly think it's, it's all Max Homa hype. Okay. Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. We haven't even talked about him yet. You're right. No. But this is a course that he has the course record on. Correct. Yes. But what year is it now?
1: What? That's my question. What? It's 2023. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was. Uh, he
0: had. He had the. Of um, course. Right. He shot a sixty-one. When was that? That was like a long time ago,
2: right? Uh, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean, you know, the California kid's been in form recently in California, and it's it's weird because people will fight you online about this when you start talking about Max Homa and you say only it's only California. They go, no, it's not. It's everywhere else. He's a great player, but it really is only California that he plays well in on the PGA Tour consistently. So, you know, people are talking about this being his opportunity to finally break through in a major, but I just don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not putting money on Max Homa. He hasn't shown me enough when it really counts. Can I confess something right now, guys? Go for it. Bring it on. And I've I've never told anyone this.
1: (laughs) I am not a homosexual.
0: I'm I'm really not either. (laughs) I like him, but not like that.
1: Well, I'll say this also in terms of, I don't know if you, how much research you've done this guy, but... He, his best finish in a major is, take a guess. Tie for 44th. I would say 28. His best finish ever is a tie for 13th. And his second best finish ever is a tie for 43rd. This dude has one top 40 in a major period. I think it's something like eight missed cuts out of 16 majors.
0: You know, he gets a lot of hype from Barstool foreplay part of my take you know a lot like he's he's a likable guy you know so I feel like he's one of those like Ricky Fowler types where you know you're good off the course you get a million commercials but you don't do anything in the in the moment you know
2: but his his body language on course is so muted because he's constantly looking like looks like he's wanting to lower his a1c count that you just never actually feel a vibe off him anyway I mean I I like the guy just fine but he just doesn't seem to excite it it doesn't excite me and when he wins, he's winning events where somebody else choked or the field was weak, and he—he and he, he really is. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago on one of your episodes, pants, where he's somebody like Finau who has benefited immeasurably by the live players leaving mm-hmm. because now he has an easier field each week. This guy is sixteen to one odds. I'll let you. I'll let that sink in. That's he that. sixteen to one. One
1: top. 43 finish. You know, actually, wait, one, top 13, one, one tie for 13th and one tie for 43rd. And this dude is considered a favorite at 16 to 1 odds. It's insane to me. You
0: want to hear something crazy? And correct me if I'm wrong, big boy. Justin Thomas, who's a two-time major champion, I believe he's at like 35 or 40 to 1, right?
1: Correct. But here's what's interesting about him. Look at his season this year.
0: Yeah, and he's hurt. They People are saying he's battling an injury, but that he's not. Speaking to, I have Homer at 35 to one on FanDuel.
1: I just looked it up. CBS had him. CBS Sports has him at 16 to one. If you just Google Max Homer odds, and he should be something closer to like 40 to one, 45 to one, because there's also some other stat that of the past 43 U.S. Open champions, all of them have at least had one top 10 in the U.S. Open before going on to win it.
0: Scotty Scheffler right now is six to one favorite. Rom second nine to one. Brooks eleven to one. Rory twelve to one. Cantlay sixteen to one. Shawfle and Hovland eighteen to one. Scheffler is six to one. That's crazy. But after the way he struck the ball last week in Canada, if he just gets that putter semi-hot, he could run away with this
2: thing. That's what's so scary about Scheffler is that he is he is literally the best player out there right now yeah. as far as ball striking. I mean, he gained what twenty strokes during the during that event? He, uh, we're talking about the Memorial Tournament, which Memorial is a tough, a tough, tough course. He gained twenty strokes on the field, T to green, and then lost it, and it was minus eight, like the dead last player in the entire tournament in putting. And that's why he didn't win.
0: I, I don't know if I, I, I got this right, but I saw a stat that he has like one point five strokes T to green above the next best on PGA Tour. Is that? Too low or does that sound about right?
2: I, that sounds about right for the entire season. Yeah, entire season, which is crazy. Yeah. What's also interesting
1: about Shuffler is this guy only has one foot on the ground the whole time. He's sliding all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's like every golf instructor's worst nightmare because how do you correct it when your feet are moving all over the place?
2: Yep. Yeah, I, I've literally been saying that ever since I saw him start doing the feet movement, I kept thinking to myself, that dude's going to roll an ankle. That dude's going to roll an ankle. Like, I was thinking that back when the Augusta, when we were doing the Augusta shows, you know, digs. Yeah. I was saying, like, hey, man, this guy's going to roll an ankle. With the pine straw you know, when it's weather, out there. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. the bad weather
0: was coming in. Yeah. And it just goes to show you, swing your swing. You know, Furyk, swing, your swing, Wolf, Sheffler, swing your swing. I've been playing barefoot ever since I came back from Pinehurst because I bought the wrong spikes and they were too tight. And honestly, I haven't. I've hit more fairways in the past month than I did in my life. Just because I can't swing hard, because
2: I'm barefoot, I don't want to slip. So, you know, you just got to play your game, man. Uh, if if, if Scotty Scheffler finds a way to just play his game, though, he has a, he has a brand new putter in the bag. I think it's the same one that you just bought. Oh. A, yeah, he bought a Scotty Cameron or has a Scotty Cameron something, something, two or whatever. Super Select two? Super Select two. That's what he has. New Yeah. newport 2 yeah 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 sorry Uh, the scotty cameron versions there's there
0: there was four putters when i went to the store four putters that were all like similar to each other and i had to decide between all four like it's that's like like it's not like one was a mallet one was like a, a semi-circle like they were all blades and like they were like centimeters apart bigger from the next one and it was just like it, like my head was ringing like i didn't know so you know obviously i just hit the mole and seen which one i liked the best but then you come home and then you're like oh did i get the right one you know like
2: like are so tricky because it's all about like it's all about confidence and your ability to convert the weight into your swing exactly now scotty's been using these these blade heads for a long time honestly why isn't he trying a mallet head out yeah. pants what do you think well i would say this
1: first of all in terms of the Long Island metric system, <laughs> I just wanted to point out that millimeters are actually smaller than centimeters. Okay. So, when you want to stress oh, that they were very close, that it should have been more of like they were millimeters apart.
0: Millimeters apart, okay.
1: But in, think- terms of, in terms of that, you have, um, as Jake was saying, I don't think you switch from blade to mallet ever. It's yeah. too much of a big <laughs> jump. You got you got to find the. Right, if you're a blade guy, you got to find the right blade. If you're a mallet guy, you got to find the right mallet. But you can't cross streams like that.
2: There's so, Scotty so Cameron, no
0: yeah, no, go- <laughs> <laughs> Scotty <laughs> Cameron does. It's like a square back. Well, that's the two plus. It's like halfway in between a blade and a mallet. It's like heavier, like a mallet. So maybe that's what he got. And he, if for some reason they interviewed him today and they asked him which putter he's going to start the round with, and he said, you know, he's not going to say like. It's not, That's not like, a good sign. It, it's not like you know the defense is preparing for what putter he's putting in. Like he's playing against himself. Like why doesn't he want to tell everybody what putter he's having? You know,
1: Well, think about this That's too. That's not a good sign. Scheffler might end up to be another Adam Scott type. You are amazing ball strike striker, but and it's and your ball striking is keeping the game, and your putting so god awful, you eventually switch over into fifteen different styles. We may be seeing the beginning of the end of Scotty trying to putt conventional.
0: Yeah, he's gonna that have a long case. He's gonna have a long putter. He's gonna be like trying not to anchor something crazy like Adam Scott. But hey, long putters have won majors before they maybe they should. Uh, hey, they're rolling back the ball, long putters live buying out PGA. sort
2: of let's let's just throw it all out. Let's let's just let the players have fun. I'm just really curious to see like what the actual result is of his training this week. Because you're right, if he's if he's this is Wednesday, and he's still not sure which putter he's going to be using. Yeah. That's not a good sign to me. You should have known this entire week. Like, hey, I threw all the putters away. I'm bringing this one putter. We're going to make this putter work.
0: He's right? definitely in between one. He's definitely in between like two or three right now. You know, that's like not he, a
1: good place to be. No.
2: Well, I would say this too. Probably
1: the last two places you want to be worrying about your putter and having a ginchy stroke is, is the
2: U.S. Open and the Masters. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Now let's go down this list, John Rahm. What are you guys thinking?
2: In the hunt. Man. He's, one of my, he's one of my picks this week because real talk, he's saying the right things as always. He's looking like a general ambassador. He's confused the media and his other people on, on the PGA Tour so much. And like I said, there are the players that are on the PGA Tour that I think have zero chance to win because, again, they're all confused about the PGA situation, about the merger situation, about the am I going to get compensated situation, the Hideki's, the Rory's, you know, those guys who – Lost the bag. They're confused. They're mistaken. They're in their hell and the head right now. John Rahm is looking kind of like Brooks Kepka is right now, where yeah. he's just in the, in the form.
1: Well, you just got three guys. There's clearly, it's like in tennis, remember the whole Federer and Adal Djokovic era? Yeah. You got three guys yeah. who differentiated themselves from the rest of the field. You can almost be like throw 100 on each, and you got a 50% chance that one of them is going to win it, right?
0: Chef Rahm Kepka. There you go. Yep, And you got Rory. Three, three. Rory, you know, the fact that Rory is not in that conversation just goes to show you how the greats have fallen because, you know, he won four so quick. Everybody thought he was going to, you know, get double digits. And it just goes to show you how hard it is to win majors. Speeth, he won a bunch quick. Morikawa, he won a bunch. Morikawa is 18th in the world right now with his ball striking. He's 30 to 1 odds. And he's, there you go. he's a California. short game, right? Yep, he's a California kid. You know, like he should be a favorite, you know, but he's not. Now, I'm going to name three guys. You tell me who you think has the best chance to win because I feel like all three are in the same boat. Cantlay, Shawfleet, Hovland
2: hovland i'm thinking hovland yeah yeah pants nice job man we're both in
1: the i same had to board. jump in because i had to jump in because it was like hey dude those aren't in the same boat no
0: you don't think so
2: no I'm hovland like, is clearly ahead
0: no i'm saying like guys that haven't won a major yet that's that boat i'm talking about that boat
2: yeah but but xander's been looking really weird ever since you know he had that tear last summer and then he just kind of just Looks mediocre ever since then. I mean, I'm, I hate to say it like that. Like when I say mediocre, the guy's still playing great golf, but he's yeah. not playing like championship winning golf. He doesn't feel you don't you don't you don't feel that smoke coming off of him like you do from Rum and Scheffler, where you're just like you know that those guys are in the zone before they ever get a bed. Vegas know? thinks they're in the same boat because Scheffler and
0: Hovland are both eighteen to one, can sixteen to one. So Vegas
2: Shuff- is wrong. Yeah, Vegas is sometimes wrong. I honestly, the only thing holding back Hovland is his dress. And I saw his apparel for the week and his apparel for the week looks pretty fire. His Thursday outfit, by the way, dude, I want that shirt. That shirt for his Thursday outfit he's looks good. He's
0: normally the worst dress. Like he needs to get a stylist, you know?
1: Well, so, the problem is you know. he has a stylist. He says <laughs> they, they force him to dress like that.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Poor dude. Yeah. But but they also say that some of the, during like the master's round, that round three, when he had that hideous shirt, um, they said that they sold out of that shirt. During the broadcast, everybody in so in yeah, Norway that that, that company uh, Joel Lindbergh is what it is. Uh, they sold out of that shirt during the broadcast, so I understand what they're doing. But yeah, his normally they send him pretty bad stuff, but yeah. his Thursday outfit looks pretty fire. They, they posted it online. I'm going to give you guys a spoiler alert. Shawflay is
0: my number one pick this week. I don't know why, but I just got a what? Go, I just got a gut feeling.
1: That's ridiculous. You know why? Maybe I'm off the reservation, but, you know, sometimes... You're 100%, dude. You need to turn around and drive that vehicle wait back. Wait till you
0: hear my third pick and my second pick. All my picks are unconventional this week because, honestly, I, I just... I could have went the easy route and took Chef around my but I had Kepka at the PGA Championship. I won money on him. I don't want to go back to that well, especially now as odds are only 11-1. to so, I want to get a little more juiced odds. So, I went with some guys Yeah, get a little the, bit the more dibs. juice. This is,
2: literally a, this is literally a 50% chance. And this is basically what it is. He's, he, Pants is telling the truth right here.
0: Yeah. And Pants you know lives who, in Vegas, so he who, understands. You know who I like if I had a... if Who it would be my fourth pick? That mm. I really... Well, no. He's my third pick. <laughs> um, uh, my, uh, my fourth pick is Cameron Smith. I think Cameron yeah. Smith... Because he could drive the ball straight. He has a great short game. He's a, a great butter. And... People, McGinley said that it's like an Australian type of course. He thinks the Aussies are going to do well. And, you know, he's not even a year away from winning the British Did Open. Did you say
2: you're trusting McGinley? Like, no. I'm just saying, that, Trust you know, McGinley.
0: it got thought in my head. So, I put money on Cam Smith as well. What do you think, big boy? Out of the live guys not named Brooks Kepka, who's the
1: best oh, chance? He, this is a no-brainer. And I don't know the odds exactly because when I checked before, I think it was like 40 to 1. I'm going back to Bryson de Champino. You know? Did great Mm -hmm. in the PJ Championship. He's already won the US Open before. Again, one of these guys, you have rough, not such a big deal. Trouffley, on the other hand, he's a small, little frail guy. He's a little boy. He already has back issues.
0: Bryson is
2: 45 to 1. Those are good odds, dude. Yeah, because Bryson's one of those guys who can actually muscle it out of the rough. I mean, that's really who I think is going to be the winner this week, is the person who, when they hit in the rough, isn't going to lose an entire stroke. You're talking about Cam Smith. Cam Smith can't hit a fairway to save his life. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm talking about like in general. Like he, he is, and I love the guy. We've talked about this before. Great, great. from Everything off, everything except for the tee box. If he could just figure out the driver, he would win every tournament. But he's not going to be consistent enough off the tee box to win this tournament. Because you can miss fairways in Tulsa and still score well. You can't miss fairways at LA Country Club and still score well.
0: One more, one more pick that I think is a great pick. Live Guy. Patrick Reed to finish in the top ten because yes. he's always hanging around the leaderboard of mages, and you know he's another guy that stays even keel. Great short game. I I, I could see Reed on top of the leaderboard this week.
1: Legendary short game. Sure. Yep. Legendary short game, said gentlemen, Right. Yep. I agree.
0: Honestly, in in person, the best short game I ever seen at Page, Black. It was the Barclays, the year he won. Few six weeks before the Ryder Cup, twenty sixteen. One of the greens, I think it's number 16 or 15. It's a par four. The green slopes crazily from back to front. It's a complete angle, like down. And he was all the way on the back fringe. The pin was all the way up front. I'm sitting there. I'm like, there's no way he gets this close without it running off the green. He hit a putt. When I tell you, it looked like it wasn't even moving. It was like so slow. I'm like, there's no way that gets to the hole. He put it right next to the pin, tap in for par. Like, I was like, the touch that he had and like watching him chip out of the rough and like, it's, it's, he, that part of his game is just amazing.
2: I just like his ability to be able to, he's, he's one of those guys who's very antagonistic and gets everybody else out of their game. And that's one of the things I love about him is that he's able to get under everyone else around him's skin. Yeah. And so you better believe that we're not hearing about it, but he's, he's doing something to mess with Rory this week. He's doing something to mess with people that he doesn't want to play with. You know, Um, honestly, guys, I'm curious to see where, where I think team wise out of the live guys teams. I'm very excited to see where the Torque guys finish. I think all four of them make the cut. I think all four Torque players make the cut. I was thinking about putting a bet on Neiman, but I just, like, he's,
0: I feel like he's streaky. Like, like there's a lot of missed cuts in majors, you know? Yeah, and he hasn't been hot very recently. Yeah. I would say Mito would be the better pick. Yeah, but, you know, we saw what happens with Mito, you know, when he gets in crunch time last year at the PGA, right? Right.
2: Yeah. I wasn't and, saying for a bet.
1: Yeah. That, that cost me $300. Mito, Mito melting down at the PGA because I had him in a random pool and I'd randomly picked Mito in, you know, in terms of your, your tiers of players. I picked him yeah. in, you know, on the eighth tier. You picked Mito Pereira because there's some YouTube video where that says like, listen to the sound of Mito Pereira hit this ball. And <laughs> it, it's a great strike. So I like clicked him and he's winning. And I'm like, please dude, just win. Dude, there's only two guys in this like 40 man pool who picked Mito Pereira and he blew it. And then I lost $300 and I'll, I'll. I'll f- Forgive, but I won't forget. You know what I mean, guys? If we can be like, bring some female energy into this.
2: (laughs) I I understand. I understand. Just, uh, it's one of those words like, I know what you did and I respect it, but I don't respect it at all. all. (laughs) You know, it's (laughs) funny when on that Saturday, I was on my way home
0: from the Yankee game with my brother and we were looking at the odds and Justin Thomas was something like, crazy like i don't know like 70 to 1 or like 80 to 1 at the point because he was what like seven eight strokes back and uh, my brother's like justin thomas man i'm like nah he's too far back there's no chance you best believe i was kicking myself in the ass that day when he came back from seven to win the pga championship
1: he was seven down with nine to play correct
0: yeah so on saturday he was like his everybody everybody's odds other than Mito and who was who was with him i forget somebody else i don't know but mito and and the guy who he was playing with odds were good everybody else was like well that was zaltaros Zel- yes zaltaros yes everybody else was like 780 7 back with nine the play and the guy comes and wins like how do you not how do you not win that mito or even zaltaros you know mito didn't even make the playoff right
1: he uh, did not he doubled the last hole Yeah. so he gets in the water and then it's still a tough shot cuz you still have a long you know shot to the green obviously he misses the green chips it you know over again yeah. and then he kind of gets it up and down for a double or something like that it was hard to watch
0: and that's when jt drove the green on that second playoff hole
2: i believe yeah so one thing that we also talked about we also knew about this uh, week there's the 290 yard par three yes uh, okay yeah we um, forgot about number that. number 11 yeah. yeah we forgot about that uh but you know cool thing is our friend um uh, you know jay not pro uh, pro golf critic um uh, someone that's been on Big Boy Pants' channel several times for the Rush Hour Golf Podcast, he's actually on site today, was watching Phil Mickelson's round. Apparently, the hole is playing somewhere around like 250. It's it's actually like a 270 carry to the front of the green. They usually play the hole, the, the pin in the back around 290. But um, apparently, because of how the, the hole is set up, it plays like a 250, 240-yard shot, is what he's telling me from
0: Twitter. Yeah. I, saw, I saw people saying that, too. It's really going to play like a 240, 250.
1: Apparently, that Sergeant kid, Gordon Sergeant, hit yeah. it with a three iron. So it's not playing like we thought it would. Now, that, that's, now that's, with that's Gordon
2: Sergeant.
0: That's a Zalatoris type for you, Jake. Yeah. Small well, body you know, that swings like that.
2: Yeah. Well, Gordon Sergeant, I'm very interested to see what happens with him long term. He's somebody who going into the Masters, they were talking about this guy's busting like, like, per, like 200 plus ball speed on the range with, with you know, blah, 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 you know. And they said like his max out spalding was like two twenty I think something like that. Uh, I Georgia think he consistently
0: hit. hits at one ninety, like yes, during play, which is crazy. Yeah,
2: and um, he also has um, uh, graphite shafts in his in his in his irons, which is weird to see. That I mean, I know it's getting more popular, but like it's still weird to see that for a guy swinging that hard. Um, so I don't know man. I mean, he's somebody who uh, yeah, you're right. A Will Zalatoris type, somebody who's like a string bean body who you're just like, "Man, bro, um let's put some muscle on first. Let's see what you what you can do in like 2 years, but let's protect that spine." Cuz you don't want You know what end I think up, though? Know? Yeah. I think that that's the goal now is to
1: when you're young and supple, make your money while you can because you can make more by being a streaky player than
2: by being a consistent player, right? So, you're saying by, by, just, by just being the guy who can show up one week and then m- need like a year off, uh, you're saying that you can make more money than being like a Charles Howell who never misses a cut? Mm-hmm. Well, I could be completely wrong there.
1: But if yeah. you want to be the guy who's like in and out in five years or seven years, make your money early to have, have a couple, you know, a big, kind of like Will Zalichoras could have had. Yeah. From, versus having to grind it out forever like Charles Howell continues to add to his,
2: you know, 100 million stockpile. Yeah. No, okay, that does make sense money, though because yeah. because if you think about this like, uh sorry, Ricky Fowler only has one more professional win. Actually, they have the same number of professional wins, but Ricky Fowler only has one more PGA Tour win than Charles Howell does. And yet Ricky Fowler has made easily four times the money that that Charles Howell has in his career, and he's like 10 years younger.
0: Yeah, that's because Ricky Fowler, you know, came out with the crazy outfits and he, you know, got a whole different demographic, the young kids. You know, how many kids, when Ricky was really going, how many kids did you see walking around with the orange Puma hats, you know?
2: That's right. And he did make it like a, a thing where all of a sudden people are buying orange, orange slacks and orange. Yep, yeah,
0: and Cobra sales and everything. Now, speaking about the part threes, right, there's a two-hole stretch, the sixth hole and the seventh hole. Listen to this. The sixth hole. 330 yards. It's a drivable par 4. It says 330 on the score sheet, but it's really 270 if you take it over a tree. So it can be reached from the tee. Uh, it's blind over a tree. Shallow shallow green. It's protected by a bunker. Um, the safe shot is to hit it to the fairway. Uh, it's a dogleg right. But, you know, you still have to hit a good wedge. But if you take it over the tree, you can drive the green. Now, the next hole, the par 3 7th hole, plays 284 on the scorecard. So there's actually a chance that the par three seventh will play longer than the par four sixth. That's crazy to me.
2: What's even weirder is that in addition to like what you're talking about with the blind shots, the drivable par par fours, um, certain comments have been coming out that that say this is probably going to be the longest rounds they've ever seen as far as average time goes. I mean, it was brutal watching the LPGA event a couple weeks ago where Rose Zhang had a six-hour, t- you know, uh, grouping. It took her six hours to get around uh, because of this, just the tournament or whatever. But, you know, they're talking about this being a very brutal and long round. So do we think that plays into the effect? Do you think it's going to ice anybody out,
0: Pants? Yeah, whoever plays at Cantlay.
2: Yeah, potentially that
1: you can going to have a guy like Brooks Kepka who spends four seconds before he's ready to hit his shot it might slow him down, but you know what? This guy is such a warrior, and he's so into winning these majors. I think he's—they're already mentally prepared. You know, the the, the team is prepared for the six-hour round. You got your Gorilla bars ready. You got something to read. Maybe you got some music prep because it's, you're going to be out there all day long.
0: Yeah, go find a porta potty, scroll through TikTok or something while you're waiting for Can'tley over a shot. <laughs> Oh my
2: God, but honestly oh, no. looking
0: at these these holes, it's like we're gonna have an 80 yard par three, a 290 yard par three, a 270 yard par four, five par threes and the finishing hole, 16, 17, 18. okay, 16 and 17 are the longest par fours on the course. 18th is the fourth longest par four. So you know looking back, yeah have 15 is the uh, 15s that par three. That's going to be 80 yards. 14's a par 5. So 14, if bad boy is, you know, according to bad boy, you could score on 15. Big boy, you could score on 15. You know, me and Jake think it might be tougher. But if not, the par 5 14th might be your last chance to get a birdie down the stretch. And the rest of the way, you just need to hold on for dear life. So it's going to be, you know, a, a,
2: a one or two shot lead isn't safe on this hole coming down the stretch. So we're talking like this could actually be one of those majors where literally you have to walk kind of like last year where it's literally, Hey, hold on for dear life. Just because somebody has a, a considerable lead going into the last two holes, it doesn't mean it's one. Correct. Essentially, How we're many? watching. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go, bro.
0: Yeah.
1: No. So essentially, we're watching a potential train wreck in the making, which always adds to great drama.
0: Love it. Like I maybe love like a, a train wreck. A fill-in w- winged foot type of train wreck, you know.
2: Not or that Danny high, not Willett, what's
0: bitter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or a Danny Willett at the uh, Fortinet uh, this last year. Man, I was watching that live, and when he, when he, so Max Homa holds it out of the out of a bunker, you know. Sorry, not out of a bunker. He holds it out of the out of the fairway to birdie the hole to get like one stroke back of Willett, and then Willett has to, all he has to do is go up there and sink a, a three footer or hit it in two shots, and he and he, he wins. Uh, sorry one shot he wins so he goes up there he misses the three-footer has to make another three-footer to force it to a playoff and then he misses that one and so he goes from literally a three-footer to win to he has to sink a four-footer in order to not like lose second place it was bad yeah
0: i i think we're gonna and who won that
2: who won max that was Homa. obviously max Homa. there you go Max Holm, but again, it was a weak field, though. That was the Fortinet in the in the last fall. Yeah, it was a in fall California. In fall. Yeah, he had two. He has two wins in the fall, right? Yeah, he won the Sanford. He won Sanford? the Fortinet twice. Wait, no, no, well, he has he three the, wins in the two. fall. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about Max Holm beating up against inferior fields, that's really all you got to say, right there.
2: Yeah, we, we, we can go take Max Homer to the Corn Fairy event, and I'll bet on him. <laughs> All right. Now's the time. We talked about the course.
0: We talked about some of the studs. Let's get to our picks. Three picks each. Let's go one by one. Jake, your first pick. First pick, Brooks Kepka. Big boy. Brooks Kepka. All right. I feel like the asshole. I'm going with Xander Schauffele. Okay. Jake, second pick. John Rom. Big boy. Bryson DeChambeau. Okay, I am going with Ricky Fowler. What do you guys think? Are you, about are you taking
1: this serious? Are you taking this seriously? I
0: am taking it seriously. I He's yeah, not. trust me. I am taking it seriously. Fowler has been playing great. His stats are great. He's a California guy. You know what better time to come with your first major than in California at a course nobody's seen before. You know, I just
1: this rough is going to eat him alive.
0: What, not if he yeah. hits the fairways. He's not hitting fairways. All right. I'm sorry. He just. And I'm just I, saying. I, coach, I, I, I think we're going to get an unexpected winner this week. That's that's why I'm doing these picks the way they are. I think we're going to. You're,
2: you're backtracking right now. Then pick, right Sam, now. Be- then, then pick <laughs> Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett's a better a, a, a better. If you're going to pick a, a right wing player like like somebody out of out of nowhere that nobody's heard of or expects to win, pick Sam Bennett. The I'll guy give the, you the guy. I'll give you a sleeper. Min Woo Lee digsies be serious
1: dude you have me on the <laughs> Diggsies, you have me on the show and now you're making jokes dude come on
2: all right jake i'm third, sorry i'm third sorry, picks. if minu lee wins you guys you guys are gonna owe me if something minu lee wins i will fly to long beach and i will long island long, in island, long island long island long island sorry i keep saying Long you always say I'm long beach. beach yeah i all always right. say long beach you do
1: i'll, I'll say this if minu lee or ricky fowler wins i'm shaving my head yeah I'm shaving my head. I'm telling you right now. Okay. And I'm feeling good with it Let's because, yeah, so I'm putting that out on a, th- on a line here. If DeChambeau wins, you shave your head.
0: My head's already shaved, so I, uh, Well, shave your... Reshave it. <laughs> yeah. I, I want I'll, it. I'll, I'll bick it. I'll bick it. I, there we go. I have, I have like there we a, go. a four on top. If no, no, no. I not would, a four. I want, no, it. I want I have, it bicked. I have a four. I'll bick it. If DeChambeau wins, I'll bick my head. Okay. If Fowler or Minwoo Lee wins, big boy shaves his head. Done.
2: All right. I'll tell you what then. If it, um if Xander wins, Jake shapes his head. Yeah, if Xander wins, I'll shave my head. Okay. All right, Jake. No, how about
1: this? If if Xander wins, Jake asks an attractive female out on a date. <laughs> well, I did that this week
0: already, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not, you know. Jake's that's in not... uh it's the sum of Jake right now. He's whatever. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he's doing that on a weekly basis.
2: That's just, that's just part of Tuesday, okay? you know <laughs> But no, third pick on my side. I'm picking ooh, I, I, I want I'm picking Scotty. I'm okay. picking Scotty. I know i'm I know I'm picking the the lazy man picks, but you know real talk those those three lazy man picks are just so much better above the whole entire field on average on par on the rest of the season that it's just it's stupid not to pick them, right? It yeah. really is to me. Okay. It's literally the, the best chance for Phil Nicholson to win the U.S. Open probably left in his career. But I, just, I still can't pick him. I
0: feel like this week's going to be like a Y.E. Yang at the PGA Championship. It's just Kurt
2: Kitayama.
1: Yeah. If, you're gonna, if you want the Y.E. Yang of this U.S. Open, it's Kurt Kitayama. Maybe. He's Asian. I,
0: yeah, obviously. Yeah, I know he's Asian. But I'm just saying, Like, I think, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think it's going to be a weird one. Big boy, your last pick?
1: My last pick is. It's going to be a, My sleeper is going to be Kitayama because I'm going to pick him for everything okay. as a sleeper. But in terms of my third is Hovland.
0: Hovland. Okay. Ooh, good pick. Good pick. And my last pick is... Will be the best story in golf. Phil Mickelson with the short pitch shots, the way he played at the Masters in California. He's going to win. He's going to complete the Grand Slam and he's going to retire into the wilderness and next year he's going to come out in the booth and be the best golf commentator we ever had.
2: You want, him, you want him as a golf commentator? I want him as the commissioner of the new the new tour. He's never going. They're never going to allow him to be the commissioner of the new tour. You, you say know? that, but he has he has done. I would love for him to be. To
0: I would love for him to be the commissioner.
1: That hey, would be Justin, amazing. But Justin you, Bieber he, has entered the chat. Never say never.
0: <laughs>
2: never <laughs> no, never. Say but
0: that's like saying like Greg Norman's going to be the commissioner. You think they're going to allow Greg Norman be the commissioner? No. You know, I just, I don't know. I just don't, uh, the, you know, who knows? Maybe Monahan's out now. Maybe there's a new regime coming in. You know, maybe Yassir says, I like the way
2: Phil called this. He's right. Maybe, but. Well, he, here's the big thing is that Phil, everything that Phil has done, and i will talked about this on Big Boy Pants' show. Everything that Phil has done has been for the benefit of every person on the PGA Tour. Every person on the PGA Tour has benefited from the things that, that Phil Mickelson has done. So, there's nobody who's actually vitriolic about it toward yeah. him. Other than, of course, the top five guys who didn't take the bags.
0: Yep, I just I just feel like the next commissioner is going to be a neutral party that didn't have any involvement in Liv or the PGA Tour. Like, just someone that wasn't involved in the beef and everybody could start fresh. That's just what my are opinion. What, you saying
2: Brad Faxon? Sure.
0: You know, I'll take it. But I, I would love Phil. What I really want for Phil is, I really want Phil to be the 2025 Ryder Cup captain in Bethpage because New York loves Phil. They serenaded him on his birthday that one year at the U.S. Open. You know, That's what I want to see Phil. I want him to be the 2025 Ryder Cup captain.
2: So you're saying 2025, Phil versus Heinrich.
0: Like we said, the battle in the sun at the British Open a few years ago.
1: I'll tell you like this. Little rematch. If Phil wins, there's no need to watch golf anymore because it'll never get better than that. Pretty much, it'll be the part two of when Tom Watson almost won the British Open at 59 when he lost in the playoff to the sink. Stewart Sink. Yeah. And to me, that would have been, I don't have to watch anymore because it can't get better than this. Yeah. That could be the happy ending version of that.
0: You know, he's being very secretive. He's, he's practicing off, off-site. You know, he, he played a few practice rounds early. then he went off-site. Like, he always does these weird things around the U.S. Open, and, you know, he did it at the PGA two years ago. Why can't he do it again?
2: Well, what he does also he have? Changes- second?
1: Okay, what does he have? Six second-place finishes at the U.S. Open?
2: Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But he also changes putter stroke this week. Apparently, he's not doing the claw grip right now, so Uh-oh. who knows? This could be interesting, guys. It's all I'm going to say.
0: All right. Well, that does it for us. 54 Live Podcast. Thank you, Big Boy. We appreciate it. Make sure to check out Big Boy Pants Golf on YouTube. Follow him on Twitter. Um, Also, follow us on Twitter at 54 Live Pod. And, uh, Big Boy, thanks for coming on, buddy.
1: Hey, bro. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, next time, before the open picks, you come up with some serious picks. Okay. Hey,
0: listen. Boom. Listen. If one of my guys win or one of my guys in the top five, just know I did a deep dive. These are serious. Seriously messed up. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a good day. Enjoy. And let's just remind the the viewers for everybody in the East Coast. I know big boys on the West Coast. Jake's in the middle. Everybody on the East Coast. We got prime time golf. 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. I believe 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Saturday. Doesn't get much better than that.
2: Dang, you guys are getting spoiled this week. We are. Wife and kid
0: goes to bed on Sunday 8.30, boom, watch the last two hours all by my lonesome. Oh, that's the perfect way to finish a Father's Day.